Yes, indeed. The war goes on, Father God, but it will be completed because you have overcome. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross, for, us, for taking on the death penalty, the death sentence that belonged to us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for creating us. Thank you for redeeming us, buying us back, and for accepting our invitation to invite you to come into our lives so that we're secure in you, Lord God. And thank you for the invitation you've given us to dwell with you forever in heaven. I thank you that these are not small um, things. I thank you, Jesus, for giving the people who are in this nation, in this world, eyes now to see and ears to hear and a heart to come back to their senses to realize what has been overtaking, what has overtaken them, what has overtaken us, the nets, the snares, the webs, the plans, the traps of Satan. Father God, that you quick, quicken us, Lord God, to see and discern, to remove from us the um, false visions, divinations, and deceptions, lies that we have um, built our lives upon, Lord God, and that you would release us into the fullness of the joy that f- comes from true freedom, righteousness, and peace. Now, Lord God, I thank you also for the reminding you of the promise that you've given us that you will never leave us or forsake us, and that, Lord God, no weapon formed against us will prosper, because you are the way, the way in, the way through, the way out, the way of escapes, the God who is good all the time. And I thank you now for giving us wisdom and for giving us understanding in the things we're talking about today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, before we get started, I'd just like to remind you of a couple of things that you might be interested in. One of the books I read, wrote, I read and wrote a long time ago, um, 100 years ago probably, not really, uh, Taking the Devil to Court comes out of my experiences working with a lot of broken people, uh, that were struggling with strongholds and um, deceptions and not really realizing that they had been overtaken by spirits, demons, whatever you want to call it, and their lives had been thoroughly altered by the appetites of these spirits. So again, taking the devil to court is an excellent place to start in understanding the the warfare. Now you can find this in many other books like uh, a case for justice example or a case for healing at our website at liferecovery.com, www.liferecovery.com. And many of these books are already in PDF form as well. So uh, we invite you to check it out. All right, today, what are we talking about? Well, at some point, at this point, where are we right now in the scheme of God's plan? Um, well, let's begin by looking at um, a story that Isaiah talked about in Isaiah chapter 5. He's calling it the parable of the vineyard, and um, it's God speaking. Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out its stones, and planted it with choice vine. He built a tower in the midst, and also made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes. So he did everything he could to make this the finest vineyard 
most productive, have all of the uh, most recent and necessary um, uh, things to make it productive and fruitful. And he says, and so he expected to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. In a, in a way, this is a parallel to what God is saying to Israel and Judah as they were also intended to be a vine of the finest, finest quality and bring forth um, fruit in his vineyard. But um, I, I, Jeremiah comments on that plan of God, what happened in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 20. He says, For of old I have broken your yoke and burst your bonds. In other words, God has set us free constantly. And you said, I will not transgress. In other words, over and over again, we make the promise, okay, I'll be good this time. I won't transgress. I'll keep your commandments. I won't worship idols. I won't chase after sorcerers. And and he says, and you said, I will not transgress. When on every high hill and under every green tree, you laid down playing the harlot. Now, this is a, a kind of an analogy that God uses when he's talking about his wife, Israel, Judah, his beloved, his betrothed, and that she is sleeping around with idols and false gods and the gods of the Amorites and the gods of the Moloch and et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, playing the harlot with them, yet I planted you a noble vine. So he's talking again about the vineyard analogy, a, a seed of highest quality. So here he's talking about a seed of highest quality. Uh, what would that mean? Well, what is a seed? The seed carries the DNA. The DNA expresses the, it carries the codes that expresses the ultimate uh, creation and, and um, coming forth of the seed. So this seed of highest quality was, um, I planted you a seed of highest quality. How then have you turned before me into a degenerate vine of an alien, a degenerate plant of an alien vine? He's saying, how, what happened? How did this happen that you degenerated to this place of, I don't even recognize you, you're an alien vine. And, and then the, uh, Isaiah, he says, you're a um, wild grapes, wild grapes, alien vine. In other words, something happened to change our true intention, nature, and God's plan into something gross and grotesque. For though you wash yourself with lye and use much soap, yet your iniquity is marked before you. In other words, he's saying there's no way, there's no way, there's no amount of soap or lye, which is a, you know, obviously a strong soap, that can wash away the stains, the marks of the iniquity that's marked before me, says the Lord. So the, where are those iniquities marked? Obviously, it would be on the generational bloodline, on the DNA. And so we have been defiled, let's just put it that way. We have, through our agreements with the enemy through um, our deception, being deceived by preferring the lie. We have been enticed and drawn away. And so what is that today? How does that, how does this all relate to what's going on today? Um, uh, it says, um, what happened to this very pleasant and beautiful hope, this relationship? Um, he says, uh, the vineyard of the Lord of hosts, the men of Judah and Israel. He looked, God, looked for justice, but behold, oppression. Now, let's, let's just fast forward this to today. You know, we, we look for justice. We love justice, but we practice injustice, and we're used to oppression 
and injustice. He says, but, but he says, he looked for justice, but behold, what did he see? Oppression. He looked for righteousness, but behold, weeping. So behold, he says, woe to those who join house to house and add field to field till there's no place where they may. So he's saying, I don't care if you connect with each other and link together and build house to house and build yourself an empire and take over the whole earth to secure yourself, to secure your place, to make yourself safe, to make your nest uh, in, invincible, uh, your, your fortress. There's, uh, so you can dwell alone in the land. Truly, God says, in my hearing, the Lord of hosts said, many houses shall be desolate, great and beautiful homes, houses, beautiful ones without inhabitant. Then he says, 10 acres of a vineyard shall bring forth a bath. What is a bath? Well, you, you know what 10 acres is, and a bath is six gallons. So 10 acres of grapes will bring forth six gallons of grapes. I got over six gallons of grapes from two little rows of grape vines in my uh, backyard this summer. And a homer of, se- of seed shall yield one epith. So what's that? A homer of seed is like 6,300 bushels. And what will it yield? 65 bushels. Though it's a, a thousand percent decrease in yield. Why? Because um, he says, woe to those who rise up early in the morning that they may follow intoxicating drink, you know, f- follow after entertainment, escapes, the dance, the flute, the, the movies, the this, the that, whatever. Therefore, because of all of this flirting with en- the enemy, um, embracing the lies, uh, rejecting the goodness of God, the justice of God, the truth of God, the, the word of God. Therefore, verse 13 of Isaiah 5, my people have gone into captivity. Why? Because they have no knowledge. Their honorable honorable men are famished. What are, are honorable men? Think of some of the honorable men that we would have honored, and now we see them turning traitor, um, the ones who are supposed to defend and protect our country, whether it's military or politicians or statesmen or whatever. Honorable men, men multitude dried up with thirst. Therefore, Sheol, heaven, that would be hell, has enlarged itself and opened its mouth beyond measure. The glory of their multitude and their pomp and all of their jubilant you know, extravagance shall descend into it. People shall be brought down, each, to, each man shall be humbled, and the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled, but the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment. And God, who is holy, shall be hallowed in righteousness. Verse 20, keeping this theme going, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Have we not done that? Have we not said it's good? Abortions are good. Gay marriages are good. Um, you know, hypocrisy is good. Double standards are fine. Uh, oppression and bullying and betraying to get your way is okay. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness? Deception, divination. That's what divination is. It puts light for darkness. Darkness is, is the true nature of the thing, but it puts forth a light that entices, allures, seduces, deceives someone into believing that it is good when it is death and destruction. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. The switching around, switching and, and, and turning around of everything on its head. Everything is, is opposite of what it appears to be these days. Jesus said in the beginning, don't uh, make judgments based on appearances. Don't determine 
things based on what they look like. People who are woe, woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. They can't be told. They can't be taught. They can't be corrected. You know, nowadays we cannot correct anyone because we have fallen for the devil's philosophy of merging or binding together being with behavior. So now when anyone does something that's inappropriate, dangerous, um, contrary to the word of God, and we call them out on it, we're accused of judging them, judging them, not liking them, um, not accepting them, not loving them, because we are not able to separate out the behavior from the being. God says we're human beings. We're defined as human beings because he's the supreme being who made us. We come from the place, and we're defined by the place we come from, which is, of course, heaven. And Satan wants us not to remember that. He wants us to see ourselves as what we do, compare, compete with all the rest of the people down here, and he's herding us into a mentality of his definition of success. And he changes the rules. He changes the perfection uh, standards. He changes everything. Constantly, constantly the rules are being changed. You know, one day this is good, and then the next day it's deadly. Do this and you'll be safe, and the next day it doesn't work. And I can put, you can put all kinds of specifics on any of those statements, and you know what I'm talking about. Woe to those who are uh, wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. They cannot, like I said, they cannot be corrected because Satan has made it impossible for us to be uh, able to call out sin. But that's what the Bible, the gospel is not just, you know, it is good news, but it's also making people aware of the danger of sin and the lie. And Satan does not want the lie to be exposed. So everything is switched around to look like something it's not. And we, because we refuse to be humbled or corrected, the people who refuse to be instructed, humbled or corrected and are going in the wrong direction will stay going in the wrong direction because they refuse to turn around. And that's what repent means, to turn around. Right now, um, this this country is in danger of the annihilation. This, this world, actually, not just this country. He says, woe to those who are, like I said, wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. You can't tell them not, nothing. You, you can't teach them anything. Woe to the mighty men at drinking. Though, woe to men mighty at drinking wine and to men valiant at mixing intoxicating drinks. You know, that's their skill set. Drinking wine, being connoisseurs of wines, mixing drinks, um, uh, concocting and fabricating lies and stories and myths and tales to em- em- embroil themselves in another story, another lie, another deception. And all the narratives that Satan has created to just simply um, bury the narrative of God's truth come that comes through the word of God who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away justice from the righteous man. Uh, It's not just bribing. It would be blackmailing. It would be bullying. It would be, you know, uh, intimidations, threats, loss of jobs, you know, dishonorable discharges, um, uh, you know, unable to participate in this and that. All of these things that Satan has done to manipulate and control and frighten people into doing what he wants them to do. But, hmm, the question is, I guess the most critical question, knowing 
that this word of God is true and does not change, and that God, the day of the Lord is coming, and it will come as a thief in the night. But it is, it is coming. It will not, you know, like with Noah, they didn't believe it. There's going to, what's a flood? What's rain? What's a deluge? What's, what's this ark for? What are you talking about? You must be a crazy man. And one man, just one man, did this crazy thing to build this ark for him and his family. And just one man and his family were saved from the flood. When God had to, you know, deal with the corrupted DNA is what it really was all about. They, they had cross-pollinated, cross-hybridized um, uh, entities, you know, animals with humans and humans with demons and um, animals with other animals until there was nothing left of the true um image of God, the DNA of God, except in Noah, who was a righteous man who was found righteous in all of his generations. So all the way back, he had been walking with God in his generations. So no, so we have to come to this conclusion, um, and it's time for us to, you know, I don't know, this is kind of a trite thing, face the music, um, embrace the the truth of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, some of us, I believe, are following the Lord walking in the good news, the grace of God, the joy of God, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of righteousness, peace, and joy. Um, but for those who are not walking in the truth, the lie is the only option left for those who refuse to love the truth. And, this, and the, the fruit of the lie is death and destruction, everything contrary to freedom and goodness. It says, for the coming, and then I'm going to flip to second. Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10 and following, to talk about the end result of this, believing the lie, following the lie, embracing the lie, loving the lie, and preferring the lie, preferring the, the, the lie, preferring to be lied to, be for, preferring your narrative or Satan's narrative or the false narrative or whatever you want to call it, to the truth, the solid, life-giving truth of the Word of God. It says in uh, 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2. He's talking about the coming of the Lord, the events preceding the day of the Lord, the events that are going to lead up to the return of, of the Lord and the judgment of God. He says, um, well, we're going we're gonna to see, obviously, as we already kind of know. Um, he says, verse 3, chapter 2, Second Thessalonians, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless a falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. The falling away, some teach, t- teach that to be the apostasy. Others say the falling away is the removing or the depart- departure of the church from the scene. Now, back to the son of perdition. The sin um, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God. So he is putting himself in the position of God. I will be God. I will ascend to the sides of the north. That was Satan's ambition in the beginning, Lucifer. And I will exalt be I will be above all that is called God or where that is worshipped, so that he sits as God, where? In the temple of God, showing himself that he's God. This temple obviously is the temple that is in process of being built uh, in Jerusalem. Um, all the preparations, the priests, the instruments, the vessels, the red heifer, all of those things are already ready. All they gotta do is put the blo- the blocks together and that won't take very long. Do you not remember when I was still with you, Paul is saying, and when I told you these things? 
And now you know what is restraining. He says, isn't the, you don't have to think about this or try to figure it out. You already know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. Who is he? Well, obviously, the son of perdition is going to be revealed in his own time, in his, in his allotted time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. How long has it been working? Well, since Isaiah chapter 5, for sure, if not since Genesis chapter 3 when Satan said, has God said, that opened the can of worms, that opened the option to the other side, to the lie, to the choice we could make to reject the truth. And that was offered to Eve and Adam, and that was, is continually offered to us. Um, he says, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, only he who now restrains or holds back will do so until he, capital H, on both of those, is taken out of the way. So this capital E, he, he, is obviously part of the Godhead. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit. He's the one who's been here, and obviously he's the one who dwells in the believer, so he is restraining through us, through the Church of Jesus Christ, as battered up and beaten up and divided and crazy scattered as it is. The, the Lord is restraining the appearance of the Antichrist. There are many Antichrists, don't get me wrong. The Antichrist is probably already alive, for sure. And yet there are many, 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 many millions of Antichrists, false Jesuses, that are combing the planet, setting it up for the, um, the reveal, the reveal of the one and only Antichrist. It says, and then the lawless one will be revealed, comma, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. He just goes from the beginning to the end, skips the middle. He's coming. I'm going to destroy him. I'm going to consume him with the breath of my mouth. Now he goes on to describe. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Okay, so he's going to wow and woo the crowd. He's going to do his magic tricks. He's going to call fire from heaven. He's going to, um, you know, flatter us with his power, which, by the way, is only power he got from us because we yield it to him when we obey him. Um, with all righteous, he says, so signs, lying wonders. See, so there's going to be the counterfeits. Everything God has for true healing, there's false healing. For true signs from heaven, there's false signs from heaven. For, for everything that God has, Satan has created, uh, crafted, a smoke and mirrors counterfeit. Don't be deceived. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. So here we hit, hit the, the core of the problem because they are being deceived, tricked by divination and deception because with all unrighteous deception by, by, because in those who perish because they did not like the truth. They did not embrace the truth um, they rejected the truth. And so obviously the truth is God. Jesus is the truth. Rejecting Jesus, rejecting the truth, same thing. Um, the truth of God. No, we can have our own truth. Any truth will work. My truth is as good as your truth. There's no absolute truth. You know, science, what, well, we use science when we want to, and then when we don't want to, we don't use science. We change the rules. Can't, lies just shift around like a snake. You can never, you know, corner them on anything. They won't stay in their place. They, they shift and change their, their opinions, their right recommendations, their requirements, just fill in the blanks. Um, 
So, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because, because why? They did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And le- verse 11, and for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Whoa, that they might all be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in, un- in unrighteousness. What? God is sending them a strong delusion. I thought God was good. I thought he's good all the time. Why would he do this? Well, he, he's obligated to do this because he gave you a free will to make a choice. And if you choose to reject him, what's he going to do? Force you to love him? Grab you by the throat and say, you're going to come to my heaven whether you want to or not? He's not going to do that. He can't do that because that would be contrary to who he is. He's a God of love. He gave you a free will and you can use it to destroy yourself if you're so inclined. That doesn't mean God isn't there to send forth people to help you, warn you, angels. He delivers. He keeps us safe. He does lots of things behind the scene to bring us back to himself. Even sometimes the worst things that you think are the worst things in your life become the best things, the tragedies that turn you around and, and, and secure your place in heaven because you finally got it. You finally got it. So now he's saying that this is where we are. This is where we are right now in the scheme of things. At this point, we're at the point of strong delusion. And why? Because God is obligated to do it. Because why? Because there's the rule, the rule between him and Satan in the war for the souls of men. And the rule is this, Romans 6.16, whom you yield yourself servant to obey his slave you become. That's it. If you listen to the Lord, the God of heaven and earth who votes for you, he will bless you. If you listen to the God of this world who's stolen all your power and uses it to kill you, you'll be destroyed. And if you go back and forth, back and forth between your soul and your spirit, you'll dig a rut and die in a grave and probably accomplish very little for anybody. So God is not mean. He's, he's playing by the rules. Satan is the one who's cheated all the way through. He lied to start off with. And since then, he's not stopped lying. And, peop- and there's a verse in Proverbs that says, liars listen to liars. This is scary. Because when you think of how many people are listening to the liars right now, what does that make you? A lover of the truth? Um, it's scary. The whole battle between good and evil breaks down in, into the battle really between the truth and the lie. Ah, the lie is presented really always as the truth. It's dressed up. Oh, listen. The lie dresses up in reason or reasoning, in common sense, in public opinion, in appearance, in what they say on TV. The lie takes all of these positions to persuade you to believe it, to ruin your life by deceiving you into believing that what you're believing is right when it's not right, and the fruit of it's terrible. And Jesus said, you shall know something by its fruit. So if the fruit of what's going on in your life right now is fear or anxiety or worry or trying to be safe, the fruit is fear. The fruit is coming from the lie because fear and the lie work together. Fear is the one who's telling you the lies. And it's interesting that fear, um, which manages, pushes, controls, creates chaos, panic, mass hysteria, mass obedience, controlling the masses to keep us safe. And the words out there are, be careful, stay safe. Do this, this, and this so you can stay safe. 
you know. And then, of course, a month later, we're changing all those rules and, and trying to explain why we have to change the rules. So now you have to do this and this more and more and more until we're taking and allowing people to put into inside of us the very substances that can alter us completely. Um, just for my opinion here aside, I truly believe, and I've said this for at least six years, the mark of the beast, as talked about in Revelations chapter 13, is an injection. An injection that we would call, you know, a shot, a jab, a vaccination, whatever we want to call it. But it is an injection. And in that, because it has to be that. Why? Because it has to get inside of us to do the final damage. The final damage, the ultimate end of no more hope, no more chances. That's it. You're done. You've just thrown it all away forever because why? If you read it, Revelation chapter 13, we know, um, for, verse 14, well, we know the, 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 the beast, the first beast, has the deadly wound, performs great signs, makes fire come down from heaven, you know, charms all the people in the sight of man, and he, de- and he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs. And he's, he has power granted to, to do these things to make the image of the beast who was wounded come alive. Now, this could be a hologram. This could be a virtual thing. This could be a fake. You know how they doctor everything up these days. Who knows? He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast. So, okay, now you have, let's say, just a beast, a metal something or other, and now it's breathing that the image of the beast should both speak. Oh, now he's speaking and cause as many as would not worship him to be killed. So just like the fiery furnace, the Hebrew children, the three boys, bow or burn. And it's the same deal, same, same, same deal. They had an image. Their image was a a golden spiral, I suppose, like an obelisk or something. And they were all supposed to bow down and worship it at the sound of the trumpets and the music and all that. And these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, did not bow down. So they were thrown into the fiery furnace and You know the story. They said, well, if we die, we die. If we live, we live. doesn't matter. We're not bowing. So they got to the the bottom line. How far will you go? When will you say enough is enough? When you say, when will you finally say, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, because doing that, okay, so you're going to give me a privilege, a promise. I can now continue my education. I can now keep my job. I can now blah, blah, blah. But what is it going to take for you to finally say no? Now, now my soul's on the line, and no, I'm not going to do this. Because you don't understand, souls can't be, uh, once a soul is lost and lost and lost and done and changed, and it can't be brought back um, from this point. Now, this is the point I want to get to. When that injection is taken, it says here, keep on reading, he was granted the power, you know, caused many to worship, um, small and great, rich and poor, doesn't matter, free, slave the whole world, to receive the mark on their right hand or on their forehead. Now, and no one can buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who understands calculate the number of the beast. It is the number of man. His number is 666, of course. Okay, so that means we can't buy or sell. Okay, well, that's not the worst part because it says um, they're going to, we're going to, the, um, in verse chapter 14, we go on with the story. And the, the third angel followed, saying in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast 
and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or in his hand. Anybody who's got that mark receives that mark. He himself also shall drink, also, you know, be included with the devil, shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of God's indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. So basically saying these people are going to be thrown in hell. Now, at some point, these people are not going to think that's a big deal. I don't care if, I, if I'm thrown in hell. I want to eat my food now. I want to be able to buy my groceries. I want to be able to, you know, go to the school I want to go to. I don't. So we keep moving, 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 slipping, sliding, sh- gently moving towards the ultimate injection, which turns and changes the DNA so that these people, it says, they receive the mark, they will drink of the wine of God's wrath. There's no turning back. They cannot be saved. There's nothing indicating that they can ever repent, that they can ever say, God, I'm sorry from this, I'm doing this. Oh, God, forgive me. At the point where they're injected, their DNA will no longer qualify them to be saved. They will no longer have human DNA or enough human DNA to be considered a human. And therefore, they will not be qualified for heaven. And therefore, they will not care anymore if they go to hell which is a tragedy because they are still going in some form into the lake of fire. And so we have, you, you, each, each one of us, this is an individual choice. This is an individual journey, an individual decision. You, you can't get to heaven on your grandmother, your, your good godly grandmother's coattails. You cannot, sure, she probably prayed for you a lot and that was very helpful, but you have to make the decision to follow Jesus and follow him to the end. You can't cave, cop out, quit, give up, go rogue. In the end, you have to use the Holy Spirit's grace and wisdom and counsel and, and to walk. And you know you can actually do that with a, a great amount of joy and confidence if you're walking in the truth. The more truth you have, the less afraid you're going to be. The, you know, and people are terrified and they want to be safe. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord instead of the fear of man. The fear of man brings a snare, the Bible says. And believe you me, it has brought a snare. Um, it, it, embracing the lie, living the lie, wanting the lie, preferring the lie, denying the truth, avoiding the truth, allowing the philosophy of the world to entertain you and to educate you, which, by the way, it has done. Doing that, joining forces with the darkness in the agenda of the enemy, you're really joining forces with the devil's first declaration, I will be God. The very blatant and apparent attempts that the enemy is now making to take over the world, steal the world and its entire contents from God. And we are either going to be partaking with that agenda and become as deceived as he is, or we're going to stand for the truth and walk in righteousness. Embracing the lie is rejecting the truth. Satan will tell you what you want to know, what you want to hear, anything you want to hear, anything necessary to get you to cooperate with him. He will, he's clever. 
Why? Because the devil needs us to complete his plan. He needs our power, our agreement, our consent to wrap this thing up. And he's created lots of nets and webs, you know, the World Wide Web, the global agenda, uh, the networks, the internet, the webs, all our snares that catch us and capture us, they're all set up by the fisher of men, Satan, to catch their souls. So Father God, meditating on all this, many of us already know these things. In our, in our spirit, we know them already. But most of us don't always listen to the spirit, bearing witness with our spirit. We run scared. We run into uh, using our own mind and thoughts and the opinions of others and do what we think instead of do what we know. So, Father, I ask today that you'd have mercy upon this nation, upon this world, for you know how clever and wily Satan is and what he has done to destroy us, to destroy your world, to dump out its contents, to make you um, steal your vineyard from you, Lord, to make you uh, rejected and unloved. But you are a God of love, a God of patience, a God of goodness, and you are good all the time. So we give you praise, Father God, for only you, can deliver us from the snare of this evil one who's plotted against you since the foundation of the Garden of Eden, Lord God, the creation of the Garden. I pray that you give each one courage today to stand up and say no. And, and I remind you of one thing. Jesus said, I am the way. So in the hundred ways set before you, in the 99 that are traps, there's one way. There's always got to be one way or Jesus wouldn't be the way. Couldn't call himself the way. There's always one way of escape out of whatever you're in, is set before you today. You say, I have no choices. I can't get out of this. I have no moves left to make. You do. You have one move left. And that is always a move that's made in the spirit. You're not cornered like in the checker game. You have one move left, and that is to move up, look up, move into the Spirit of God, walk in His Spirit and say, if I perish, I perish. You know, what are you trying to save down here that's so great anyway when heaven is the beautiful place we're meant to be? So, Father God, give courage to those who are listening and may that may we see, Lord God, all of what you've promised to, to, to take care of us, to bring us through, to deliver us and help us to help our friends to be delivered as well. Father, we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, for your glory. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.